Hi there, my name is Mary Kilolea. Welcome to the To Be Boulder podcast, providing career insights for the next generation of women in business and tech. To Be Boulder was created out of my love for technology and marketing, my desire to bring together like-minded women, and my hope to be a great role model and source of inspiration for my two girls and other young women like you. Encouraging you guys to show up and to be bolder and to know that anything you guys dream of, it's totally possible. On To Be Bolder, you're going to hear inspiring stories of how successful women, some I know, some I just want to bring to you guys, and they're going to talk about their careers in business and tech, and they're going to tell us their stories about their passion and their journey and their challenges, and we're going to learn some of their advice along the way too. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. Today with me on the show is Lauren Hassan. She is the award-winning founder of Develop Her which is a very successful, nationally recognized career development platform for women in tech. She is a motivational speaker as well as a full-time software engineer. Her background is unique and impressive to say the least, combining software, finance, and business strategy. She completed a triple major with top honors in electrical engineering, computer science, and economics at Duke University in just four short years. In addition to her full-time engineering career, Lauren is on a mission to bridge the gender income gap and help mentor women on the importance of negotiation and building wealth. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Okay. Well, I definitely, definitely want to dig into the story behind Develop Her and the great stuff you're doing there. But first, I really want to learn about your personal love of tech. How young were you when you realized you had an affinity and a talent for career in tech? And then I want to go into, you know, like your day-to-day job um, and and because I think that's so important. Yes. So I got, I've always had uh, a passion and a natural ability for science and math um, from taking the after school, build a, build a rocket, you know, in fourth grade and being in advanced math classes and never having to work at it. Uh, I actually got into software engineering as a freshman in high school, and <laughs> it was because my it was because my parents made me. <laughs> it, 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 that's the truth. My uh, I had an extra elective, and my parents didn't know what to to enroll me in, so they asked their friends whose son had gone on to MIT. They said, "Well, what do we put her in?" And they said, "Well, put her in computer science, not how to use Microsoft Excel or <laughs> Word, but computer science." And so they did. They they blindly took that advice, put me in computer science, and it was it was miserable. I was the only girl in a class full of senior guys who coded for fun. And make matters worse, like my parents had no idea what the course was even about. There was zero support, like not even emotional support for what I was doing. And and um, I actually ended up excelling, maxed out my computer science uh, for the two years I could take it in high school. They didn't have a full four year program. Uh, 20 year, 20, 25 years ago. But, uh, and that got me, that got me a, a start into, into tech and laid the foundation for getting uh, computer science as one of my majors in college. So tell me about your, your career. I mean, your day-to-day job. I know developer is taken off and, and is such a great platform, but what do you do, you know, during the week, during the day? Yeah, thanks. So a lot of people don't realize because I, I, I'm very active with developer and what I do. What a lot of people don't realize is I work full time on the front lines of tech myself. Uh, I work uh, as a software engineer at a Silicon Valley payments company. 
And I wear not one, but I wear two big hats there. I was hired in to do their iOS SDK. I'd made a name for myself in the iOS space, um, built their iOS SDK, and then ultimately ended up retooling not once, but twice, um, just about nine, 12 months into the new role. And I got into security and developed an affinity for application security. So for the past three plus years, I have owned all of application security at a payments company that moves billions of dollars a year, which means I'm basically playing in the big leagues. (laughs) Um, And there's not only not a lot of women in tech, there's even fewer women in security. I think it's like one in 11 engineers is a woman in security. And I am very proud that I have a seat at the table for that. And then I also am the architect of our entire voice application system, and I own all of our messaging capabilities. So I own an entire code base at the company, and um, and I'm really proud of it. I love I love working with product. I love building out new new features and new uh, new systems, and having ownership of it. And when I when I take the stage, I tell people, Hey, I was just writing specs this morning. <laughs> I'm just like you. That's fantastic. And I love that you're so proud of it because it is something to be proud of. And um, sometimes you find women who, I don't want to say are apologetic, but they don't own their success. And so I think it's so great to see you so passionate and so um, inspirational. I feel like it's my superpower that I can write code. And it wasn't until I retooled from iOS that I realized exactly how much I knew that I took for granted Um, because it's like the boiling frog analogy, you know, frog dies because you raise the temperature really slowly until, until it's boiling and it kills itself. Well, it's the same thing with, with your, your tech skills. You don't realize how much you know. And a lot of times that drives imposter syndrome with women. And when I retooled and I had to start all over and, um, I went from iOS and Objective-C and Swift over to uh, Ruby on Rails and doing application security and web development. I, I It was a very grounding experience that not only taught me how much I brought to the table in terms of soft skills that accelerated my learning curve, but it also showed me how advanced I was on iOS that I took, that I took for granted. How do you define women in tech? I'm very open with it and I'm also very narrow on it. The answer is all women who want to identify as women in tech. I have women in marketing who have very technical skills um, to automate the marketing process. I have women in operations who, and, and product who have very, very fine knowledge of technology. I myself am, 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 am supportive of that and inclusive. For, for me personally, I want to see more women with actual technical degrees and writing code and doing the technical work. Um, I, think, I think that's where there's a huge gap. And that's where I'm raising my hand and saying, hey, I'm a woman in tech and I love having technical skills. Come join me. Yeah, I uh, I used to do web design, and I started off teaching myself how to code, and it, it's it's fun, you know. You just get to see numbers and transform into live functional websites, and there's just I can't even imagine all the stuff that you do. Um, it's so rewarding to be able to put something technical yet have a display or an outcome that is you know consumable. I love it. I mean, I got, 
I, I remember in college, I was doing Macromedia's uh, uh, Flash, which was, it was Macromedia back then, not Adobe. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the visual, it was the, it was kind of the precursor to apps, but it was a visual interface um, with action script behind it. And I just had so much more interest in pro, 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 sorry, I can't say this, programmatically building something visual mm-hmm. um, versus building a tool under the hood. And, and I, it, I thought everyone was like that. Everyone loves that. And I talked to one of my, my strong allies in security and he goes, no, I'd rather build tools that has no consumer facing. And I was like, really? <laughs> so I, 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 it was an eye-opening experience that apparently not everyone loves to build uh, UI-centered, engagement-focused uh, applications. And I guess that's my, my sweet spot. Um, so what type of personality traits, skills, or strengths do you think align with more of a technical career path or would you say there is one? Ooh, that, you know, I think you have to have curiosity and you, you absolutely have to love to learn because what I, what I know in tech is that you don't learn a tech skill once and then stop learning. You are constantly retooling. What you may not realize is I have a degree in electrical engineering and computer science, but I actually left tech. I'm an attrition number myself. And I left tech after some internships in college where they put me in a put me in a closed room and my office mate didn't talk to me and they said, don't talk to your, don't bother your manager. And I said, I don't know that I can do this for a career. And so I left tech uh, and actually had a seven year break uh, where I did entrepreneurship, investment banking, investments, um, and then hit rock bottom and had no marketable skills, no, no network. I mean, I couldn't even get a job interview for for retail. I mean, it was rock bottom um, after getting wiped out in 2008. So I started all over and had to um, reevaluate, okay, what is it that I do well? What what can I bring to the table? Um, And when I graduated college, not only did the iPhone not exist, the Razor didn't even exist. I mean, we had limited capability SMS text messages where you'd hit the three key you know, three times to get the third letter. <laughs> That's where we were. And, you know, iOS was the new technology. So, so I had to learn, I had to relearn my tech skills uh, from all, all over. And I, I did that and was actually able to really accelerate my, my career back into tech in a very short period of time. And then, you know, five, six, seven years later, I recognized that my, my front of the line skills, iOS, were no longer front of the line. They were more of a commodity skill set. And I started looking around going, okay, well, it's time to relearn. Um, and so that's something that I'm constantly re- doing in my, my career. And if, you know, you're looking to learn once and then never have to, to iterate, you know, tech is definitely not for you. It's for people who are curious on how to improve, uh, how to change, and, and how to do things better and, and, and up your game. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, I think it's important that, you know, you left tech, experienced something else, and then, like you said, hit rock bottom and it wasn't your thing. But when you re-entered the tech community, what was different about it the second time? It was very much more collaborative. Um, there was a lot more opportunity. Tech was more front of the line. And... Um, there were more resources uh, to, to move you forward. Uh, for example, there were not IDEs when I was in college. It was all on a Unix box and, you know, compiling your code by hand. And then I stepped in and I had Xcode and this beautiful interface to build software in. And it just, you know, there was a visual interface. And so 
Um, I found it much more user friendly to to learn to learn those skills and and you know. But I actually took an assessment. I had hired a career coach. I was stuck, um, and so I hired a career coach, which was a huge risk um, to spend money that I didn't have at the time. Um, and she she had me take a career assessment because I was looking for admin roles, and those those were going away. I mean, not only were they not hiring, those were disappearing. And I, I honestly did not know where I was going to go next, what I was going to do. And I'm 29 years old going, I've got a lifetime ahead of me. Where do I go? And I was shocked that the results over, I mean, it was overwhelmingly said, you should be developing software. And it's just the way I think the what like I like to build um, repeatable processes, collaborate, solve problems, break it down into to manageable solutions. Um, and, and so, uh, it was, uh, it was an eye-opening experience. That's very cool. What, what misconception about women in tech would you like to debunk or clear up? Or do you think there Ooh, are misconceptions? Well, yeah. I think the misconception is that women can't be technical and like, that's clearly not the case. I know so many, I mean, so many top women in tech are my friends and they're very technical, very analytical. Um, and that, a lot of times when, when people think of women in tech, they think of, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, who's in an operations role um, or someone who's in a marketing role. Um, and women are just technical writing code and coming up with scientific discoveries and coming up with algorithms and pioneering new technologies. So I want people to see that women are just as technical as men. And I think, you know, a myth that whether it's it's women in tech, but just tech jobs, you know, you used to think of the hoodie in the dark room. That's so not the situation now. I mean, I think you guys are on the front line exploring things, you know, the, the tech department's out of the basement and now into some of even the business decision making. Oh, it's on the top floor sometimes. I mean, <laughs> the, the tech engineers are some of the heroes and yes. the celebrated, you know, faces of the tech companies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to be clear, I have my days where I show up on a Zoom video call where I have the hood over my head because I'm cold and it, it completely pay, plays into that stereotype. Uh, I'm not beyond that. And then I also have those days where I'm sitting on my sunny patio and coding from outside with a sun hat on. So, and P, you know, people were like, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. So let's talk about developer. First off, congratulations. I love what you've built. I love the success of the community. Tell everyone who's listening now about Developer and how it got started. Sure. Well, this will resonate with you. I started Developer as a single podcast, and and I had no idea it would explode into what it did. And it started with, I wanted to tell the stories of more technical women. Um, I think the work that Sheryl Sandberg has done to recognize women in tech is fantastic. She's paved the way. Cheryl Sandberg is not technical and she was kind of the de facto spokeswoman for women in tech. And I'm like, well, wait, where are all the women who have the electrical engineering degrees, the computer science degrees, who literally are the only woman at the table. I mean, that that's been me my entire career. I'm the only woman who's technical at the table in a technical engineering role. And so I set out and I just started cold calling uh, CTOs, CIOs, VPs of engineering and CISOs and started telling their stories and then our mutual friend, uh, Sean, um, who runs the Women in Tech Summits, called me up and said, well, hey, what about you? Do you have a story? And you know, at the time, I was like, who am I? I'm just an everyday software engineer. I'm no one special. 
But um, I do have this incredible story about how I had uh, just returned as one of 100 Americans alongside the likes of Craig Newmark, Kay Kopolitz, who founded um, USA Network, Craig Newmark, who founded Craigslist, and then me, um, who had been flown on a private 747 jet by British Airways to the UK to attend the UK Jate Innovation Summit to present ideas to the United Nations. I mean, I literally hit the top of my field in only two years. My work had just been featured in Apple Keynote. I'd won all these awards. And a male peer pulled me aside and, and he sincerely complained to me about how much he was making. And I was just stunned because not only was he making exactly what I was making at the time, mind you, I was several years senior to him in training him. And let's be honest, fixing his code left and right. <laughs> but he had been hired at 50%, five zero more than me when I was at his level. And up until that point, I had suspected I was underpaid, but that was my hard, solid proof that yes, you were. And so I told Sean this story about how I found out I was underpaid. And I went out, instead of getting angry, I went out and got the change that I wanted. I learned to negotiate. I invested seven to $10,000 in resources. A lot of the learning was how not to do it and then course correcting. But the result was I tripled my salary in just two years. And that additional income that I was earning was a six-figure amount, um, which is just life, life transforming. So I, I told him that story. And... I didn't know if I had any, if anyone would care, like who, who is this woman? Why is she talking to us? I didn't know if I was sharing anything that would be of value to anyone. Um, and in fact, the last time I had spoken was about on stage was about 12 years before and I had not prepared and I was so bad that one of my clients fired me on the spot and the other one, um, told me you need to go to Toastmasters. <laughs> so I had like the odds stacked against me and I never worked so hard for 12 weeks of my entire life. Took the stage, got a standing ovation. Oh my God. Um, and developer has just taken off since. I was shocked when I won an award. They approached me and said, hey, you need to be considered for this award. I was, it was not even on my radar screen that when I won, I wasn't even in attendance. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. and, and it's just taken off, uh, beyond, beyond anything that I could think of. And then, and then Sean, our, our friend invited me back because I had one of the, the top rated sessions at the conference before. And he said, well, do you have any other material? And I said, well, you know, it's really hard to beat. How do you make more money? But I've got this story about how I had to start over at ground zero with no technical skills at the time. It was like six years before. And how I went from literally ground zero, starting over, to top of my field. My work was featured in an Apple keynote, all these awards. I'd won South by Hackathon two years in a row. Like, how did I go from zero to top of my field with global connections in only two years? And that was even more popular. And uh, the, the Dells, the Googles, the Armors, the Intuos of the world are bringing me in to talk to their women from entry level all the way to the executive women who um, are calling me up. And that's what I'm writing my book on right now is to get that, that full story because it's a repeatable framework. It's easier than you realize. And so developer really just kind of exploded um, beyond anything that I could imagine. I just wanted to amplify and raise the profiles of more technical women because seeing is believing and I needed those heroes myself. And I was willing to cold call and get turned down 
um, which surprisingly I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and then my commitment was I'll share these stories with, with other women as well. And that, that, that's where we got to to today. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so on your website, which I love your website, by the way, and you did, you. you did it. You created your logo. I mean, I, I, so the logo I have to share. So the logos develop her, which is a nod to female developers, but it's also develop her like career development. Mm -hmm. Um, but the square brackets are a nod to my iOS, um, objective C coding roots because mm -hmm. every line of code in an objective C is encapsulated in a square bracket. Um, so I had to get a little bit of my objective C roots in the logo and, um, and, and I'm very creative. I mean, a lot of people think engineers aren't creative and I completely buck that norm. I love the creative side of developer. Uh, yeah, no, it's awesome. It's beautiful. So, you know, I'm looking at it now. So you've got, um, modules talk briefly just about, you have six different modules, you have toolkit, you have scripts and questions. I mean, you're, you're literally giving everyone the framework that step by step. Step yeah, by exactly. I, and I tried to make it affordable. So, and so there is, there's more info coming to the website soon. I'm actually in the process of adding even more, uh, so you're talking about my Become a Negotiator uh, online course. Um, that is what has won a ton of awards. I, it was how I tripled my salary and earned six figures more. And I knew it worked for me. I knew it worked for a few close friends. And then I was not prepared for the work it would have at scale. Women have gone out with the framework and negotiated anywhere from 30 to 65 to $80,000 more in a single negotiation. I mean, it's just astounding. And I've broken it down into uh, online solutions, so you can go and, and learn the framework. Uh, I have a free webinar on that right now. Um, and then the course is, is designed to be two and a half hours broken up into six modules. Um, so it's two and a half hours total because a lot of women wait to the last minute and go, oops, and I don't want you to have to sift through 10 hours. So this, this can still cover you, but the best results are when you plan in advance broken into six modules. The first thing you have to do is know where you want to go. And this, I actually looped this in because I did this myself four years ago. And if I hadn't done this exercise, I would still be on the search for my dream job and like dream lifestyle. And because I did this work, I'm in that role right now. And it helped me get there faster. Uh, then fundamental to my whole platform um, is ground yourself in data. And data is I mean, that's why we're good at tech to begin with is we are data based. Um, so like, why would we treat anything, especially something like a negotiation any differently? And so I've done all the research for you. I, you, I, I have four different strategies. I look across research guides, salary calculators, salary databases, and then what I call my secret weapons. Um, and then I go deep within each of the strategies so that you can have without a shadow of the doubt and know exactly how much you're worth. Um, and oftentimes know exactly how much uh, your company or another company like yours pays people in a similar position. Um, that data, that data is out there. Then you put together your own numbers, you know, your, your ask, your target, and your walk away. And that's based on, you know, your number is going to look different than mine for the same role because we have different employment and financial situations. So it's very personal to you. And the other type of data that I really focus on is leverage data. So that's kind of the intangible that's where you uniquely solve a problem for the company, whether that's driving more revenue or saving them money or something that you bring to the table that you can tie monetary value to or, or something as simple as 
you're the only candidate who has the skills that you're looking for. Well, in that case, you can ask for a premium. And that's that's exactly what I help you identify. And that's how I got an offer up by $50,000 as I figured out I have leverage here. And I was able to negotiate an offer at $50,000 from what they initially offered me because I knew that I, I could do that um, and it worked. And I nearly fell out of my chair when I did that myself. <laughs> and then I also help uh, with pushback. So you, you identify your talking points based on the leverage uh, and then prepare uh, scripts and questions to handle the pushback. And that that's key especially for women who are, are just learning to stand in their value. And, uh, you know, if you're anything like me, you have imposter syndrome. If you are asking for the right amount of money, you're absolutely going to get pushback. If you do not get pushback, you did not ask for enough. And so I, so I, I, I give you, here are the scripts that I have used when someone asks me up front, how much do you want to make? And of course, I don't know anything about the role, so I don't want it. It's a tactic to paint you into a number up front. Um, and negotiate your salary down. And I go, here's the scripts that I use to answer that. And then 95% of the time, they just let you through. And here's what I say the 5% of the time when they continue to ask you for a number. And then here's what I ultimately say if I absolutely have to give a number and how I handle it so that I'm not negotiating against myself at front. And all these, all these are tried and tested by myself where I learned the hard way how to use them and how equally as important how not to use them. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, the value is incredible. And I can't wait till listeners hear this and, and check this out. And I, I honestly am doing it for myself because I, I don't think you're ever taught how to negotiate um, properly, especially women, I don't think. And I should tell you, I also have a new pilot program that's, that's going to be up on my website soon, but I'll provide you the link um, if you want to share it out with your listeners. So the course is affordable. It's less than $500. It yields huge results that more than pay for themselves. That said, I listen to women and a lot of women who are underpaid um, don't have 500. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And that's a, that's a huge, I mean, to me, it's like, that's an easy no brainer investment for myself. Mm -hmm. I remember nine years ago, I would not be able to make that happen for myself. And so I'm doing something completely innovative and disruptive. I'm doing um, a pay for results program that I'm piloting. It's not yet live on my website, um, but it is open. I'm taking pilot beta participants and that's pay for results. So you get upfront access to the award-winning program. You get access to developer Slack. You get access to a monthly coaching call where I answer questions. Uh, so you get real, real, um, real access. And then the, the flip side is you pay on the results. Wow. So for example, when you go and negotiate a $100,000 salary up from 60, you get a $40,000 increase. I get paid a percentage of that. So I get what, $5,000 on that. You earn $45,000 or $35,000 more in the first year. And then you keep the 40 every year after. And I get paid on the backside. And that's because I have to make developers sustainable. I don't have investors. I don't have a rich uncle. Um, it costs money to build out these tools and, and build new new tools out. And so it, I'm, I'm trying to make it a win-win for everyone. And that's really how I teach you to approach negotiations is make sure it's a win for everyone involved. Um, and so that's something that's disruptive um, that I'm trying to, I really am trying to make this accessible to everyone um, and also make it so that developers sustainable and can even increase its reach. And I'm, I'm happy to share that out with your listeners. That would be amazing. Damn, that's innovative. I love it. 
I All love those. it. I mean, I'm winning awards before and I'm like, wait, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> I'm going to make, make the, make this, you know, accessible and, my zero to hero program, which is all about like, okay, maybe you're not, maybe you don't believe that you're there yet. Well, I'm going to help you build your value so that you can confidently ask for more money. God, we, we definitely just, I want to tell everyone about this program. It's amazing. I need it. I need all the help I can get. Look, I'm just, I'll tell you, I am not some smooth salesperson or I am not, you know, uh, a sleazy founder who's just looking to make a quick buck. I am literally a woman just like everyone else who's on on the front lines of tech going, okay, I want change in this world. I need to stop looking around for someone else to do it and get out and do it myself. And I took my life savings mm-hmm. and invested it into developer because I believed, I was crazy enough to believe I could actually have an impact. Um, and I need all the help I can in getting the word out about what I'm doing with my equal pay program. Um, and then also, which I'm really excited about my zero to hero program, which is how do you build your value and become more confident and also stand out? How do you raise your profile within your company so that you're considered for that promotion so that you're seen as one of their standout women in tech? And that's what, that's what I'm writing my book on. It should come out later this year. It's how I'm spending the pandemic. But my goal is to have every company bring me in um, to, to deliver this program to their women. And I need all the help I can get in getting the word out. Oh, happy to do it. So, you know, you, something you just said resonated with me. It's like in corporate America, really, you have to be your own advocate and you have to. Yes, And it's hard for me personally. I'm always like, well, let my work do the talking for me. No, 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 no. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Developer at its core, developer is all about owning your outcomes and self-advocacy and building and knowing your value. Um, And that, and look, I will tell you, I'm an introvert. I am incredibly shy. I I slept until two o'clock today because I needed to have energy to be extroverted for Mm -hmm. our interview call. Mm -hmm. That's how much of an introvert I am. And it is, it is just like building muscle to talk about the work that you do to do that work. And, and I'll, I'll tell you a story that I, that I share in my zero to hero training that I learned that is one of the best hard lessons that I've ever learned. Um, right out of college, I was an investment banker, left tech, I went into investment banking. I worked for Morgan Stanley's investment bank in their Silicon Valley office, which is actually considered a branch office even though it's in Silicon Valley, their headquarters in New York is considered headquarters. And at the end of the year, they rank, you have an analyst class and they rank all the analysts into five tiers. And the, the, the tier you're ranked in determines your year-end bonus. And we're not talking like a $500 difference. We're talking like tens of thousands of dollars difference between the different tiers. So your tier actually matters. And, and they, I heard nothing but great things about my performance in the the review, but I was ranked in the second to top tier. And bless my heart, I'm 23 years old. <laughs> I go, well, what held me back from the top tier? And what I learned changed my life. They said, well, Lauren, you're fantastic at what you do. And everyone in the Silicon Valley office knows that, but not enough people at headquarters who have influence over mm. your career know you and know the work mm. that you do. Mm-hmm. And right then and there, I knew that it wasn't enough to do good work in a silo and hope someone on your local team knows you, but people, you have to advocate for yourself. You can't leave it to chance, which is what a lot of us women do. Mm -hmm. You have to tell people. 
And I'll tell you, I am, I have one of the most active LinkedIn profiles is what I've been told. And I barely put any effort into it because I am just consistent in making authentic posts out there. And that's what I teach in my zero to hero program that I'm going to, that I'm going to pull back the cover on in my book is how do you do this in an authentic way that's genuine to you that doesn't feel icky right. and still moves you forward. And that's what developer is all about is like, look, I'm just like you. I'm shy. I undervalue my technical skills. And how do you really unearth the value that you bring to the table, articulate that in a way that's meaningful to the business leader so that you are considered for the promotion and you climb the ladder and pull other women up with you. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's fantastic. So what's been your biggest learning from starting developer? Ooh, the biggest learning. Um, it is hard to make everyone happy. <laughs> that, is, that is the hard part. You know, I, I want, I'm a people pleaser and I want everyone to be happy. And without, without a doubt, there is always one or two people who, who just are unsettled and, and, that, and that's hard for me. Um, right. I think I, I wasn't, I'm not a, a super athlete or a celebrity and I kind of got into a, a, a position where I was getting um, unsolicited criticism mm. and that's really hard for me because I, I want to make everyone happy. I care. Um, it's coming from a good place and yet it's nearly impossible. Well, and I think that goes back to some of the fear. I, I personally, like if you put yourself out there and you make yourself more seen, which is what you have to do. It also, there's a risk of being judged or. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Um, what skills can women today build or focus on to make themselves more marketable in the tech sector? Oh, absolutely. So this is key. This is, I divide an entire framework point around this. You have to learn new and valuable skills. You constantly, like you have to always be learning. So my answer is going to, to quote my favorite computer science professor in college, the answer is it depends. It depends on the company you're at. It depends on what you want to do in your career. But my answer is, look to the front of the line. You don't want to play catch up on a tech. You don't want to go learn a technology that's been around for 20 years that people have 20 years of experience in. You're never going to catch up with them no matter how hard you work. What I do is I look for the front of the line. I look for the new technologies that are not only in high demand, like every company wants to hire someone, including your company that has that skill set, but they're so new that you can't have five years. I remember when I got started in iOS, it was perfect because people at most had two and a half years of experience. So I was able to quickly catch up and get a seat at the front of the line. And so for me, when I did a reevaluation four years ago, I, I started recognizing, look, iOS is no longer front of the line. A lot of people have these skills. It, I saw the writing on the wall that it was moving towards commodity skill set. And I wanted to position myself to be front of the line, new technology, and ultimately position myself to be a premium. I never want to have to look for a job. I want to, always want to have multiple offers. I'm always, that's the way my mind thinks. And so I, so I started asking recruiters, I, I talked to recruiters, um, I talked to hiring managers, and I wanted to, and I asked the question, I said, what skill sets does every employer want to hire for that they can't find enough candidates for? And I got a number of answers, but um, the, the two that I heard consistently were security and IoT, like at the time. I'm not saying those are yeah. it right now, although I will say security is in high demand. 
And at the time I, I was working remote and I want to continue working remote. And IOT sounded like something that needed to be in a lab. So I literally decided overnight, okay, security is next for me. Um, and I was at an event that night and I took a picture um, or I had someone take a picture of me on the panel. And the next day I went and I shared it at work. And the head of engineering messaged me and he was like, remember, we're hiring. Um, and I go, oh, well, out of curiosity, what are we hiring for? And he goes, well, we need a security person. And I go, oh, well, that's interesting. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I love my role. I've just been hired into. I was only there for six months so far. And I go, but I would be interested in this in a long time. Next thing you know, I'm a fly on the wall on the security team at a payments company that moves billions of dollars a year. And within three months, I owned all of application security and I was the right hand to the CISO. So for me, I mean, a lot of times it's just taking the initiative, which is what I talk about in my zero to hero framework. You have to take action. I step up, I show up and I ask over and over again. I've gotten afraid of being embarrassed for asking the stupid question because honestly, I find that a lot of people also want to ask it and it's not as stupid as you think. Uh, so I step up, show up, and ask all the time. And because I did that, I have an incredibly valuable skill set. God, that's great advice. So that's how I got into security. And, and, and so security was the answer for me at my current company. There are lots of different answers. And so ask your boss, read your company, you know, annual report, talk to your leaders, talk to recruiters about like what skill set, talk to your recruiters at the company, which are the jobs that they're having trouble hiring. For example, um, I wear two hats at my company right now and, uh, you know, I wear the AppSec hat and I wear the engineering hat and I've gotten pulled in so many directions that engineering said, you need to choose. And I ultimately chose engineering and I've been actively trying to hire my replacement through this pandemic. We are still hiring and we cannot find a person to replace what I do in AppSec. That's how valuable the skill set is and hard to find it is. And I'm like, well, this is good news for me. I mean, I have job <laughs> security and I've got a skill set that like you literally can't find people hire for and I'm a woman on top of it. So, um, so I think security is great. Not, it's not for everyone. I mean, I don't even want to do security full time myself because I love engineering so much, mm. but there, there is a front of the line for everyone. And uh, I will also add, I actually jumped to two front of the lines. I picked up voice. Um, I think applications are going away from touch. Uh, so I picked up voice. And so I own our entire voice capability, uh, the messaging and interaction. So it's not around app. Um, so I actually learned voice uh, applications as well, which is what I can say. It, it's not as new, but it's new in terms of how we're using it in applications. And so I also consider that front of the line. That's amazing. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I think voice definitely is a sector that, uh, like you said, it's not new, but growth area, huge potential. Oh, and it, it's huge. I mean, and I, I use Twilio. So I'm an expert in how to use Twilio, which a lot of companies use. So heaven forbid my company doesn't need me anymore, goes or something happens that I part ways and I'm on the market. I immediately know how to use Twilio programming API and can go immediately implement it at some other company. And so that's a valuable skill set that I bring to the table. That really is super valuable advice that you just shared about doing your homework and finding out how to target the jobs that are at the front of the line. What are three tips you would give to women on networking? So I'm an introvert <laughs> and networking is really hard for me. So, and I'm actually writing this chapter in my book right now. So you're getting mm -hmm. in the advice that I'm going to give you. 
Um, I make micro commitments to myself. I don't try to look at the whole picture. I try to make a, a commitment in going to an event and only meeting three people. And then I can peace out. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that's, that's, that'll get you to get there. Right. Getting there is 90% of the battle. Um, and then uh, the other thing is you have to follow up. There's yeah. so many people who've met me who don't follow up and they just completely miss the window of opportunity. So you need to follow up. Um, immediately of a very narrow window, whether, you know, and that needs to be you taking the action to follow up, especially if you want the connection, not waiting on someone else to do it. And then always bring um, an offer to the table. So if someone doesn't tell you how they can, how you can help them, don't just walk away taking something from the conversation, ask them, how can I help you? Yeah. Um, and always have an ask yourself, a lightweight ask. You don't want them to solve world peace for you um, or get you the next job, but have a lightweight ask that doesn't cost them a lot or doesn't take a lot of energy on their part that they can easily move you forward in the right direction. Um, and those are things that I've learned over the years on how not to do it. And I'll have, I'll have even more tips in, in my book coming out on that too. All right. Good advice. When it comes to work, what's been the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice I've ever received. Well, I, you know, it really comes down to that, that lesson that I learned where people said, you know, people have to know you. Um, and until that point, it had been, you know, hi, you know, high school and college, good work gets you ahead, gets you noticed. And it was all resume based and made a case for that. And, you know, if you don't tell people about the work that you're doing, if you're not visible, you're invisible. Um, and you know, there are, there are people who are lucky that people take notice and help them stand out. That has not been the case for me. And that has not been the case for most women that I know about. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you have to be your own best self advocate. Who's been your biggest inspiration over the years? My biggest inspiration. Um, Ooh, I don't know if it's inspiration. Um, my my someone who someone who I learn a lot from. Um, mm -hmm. I would admit he's not a mentor, but he is a mentor. Um, it's Tony Robbins. He, mm -hmm. It really he talks about the different tools and technologies you can use to change your mindset. Um, and it's really a lot of the work that I've done between my my two ears to change my mindset. Um, and really what makes me different is I accept responsibility for the change that I want in my life and go, it's not my fault. The things that have happened to me, like being underpaid and the other stuff, you know, it, it's not all on me, but it is my responsibility to get change if I want it for myself. And so I've been, uh, I'm a real student of self-help and professional development, um, and I, I have not had a mentor or a sponsor come alongside me and show me the way. If I've wanted change in my life, I've gone out and I've paid big bucks to get those experts come alongside me and get me that expertise and short circuit uh, the path to learning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I assume over the years you've had some self-doubt. Um, and if that's the case, how have you overcome it? Oh, absolutely. Self <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I got back, um, I got back from the UKG innovation summit and I had all these awards and it, it was year. I mean, I had arrived. Um, uh -huh. I was getting recruited by top companies. I mean, Apple, Google, Facebook, they were regularly recruiting me. Um, 
And it felt like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And what I hadn't realized is this, this is my new normal. Um, it hadn't mm-hmm. caught up. I, I still have to this day, overwhelming imposter syndrome. I mean, I remember when I took the stage for the first time with developer, really, I was like, who's going to care about me? Like, I mean, something as simple as walking to get lunch after speaking to all of Google's women, I was nervous to go ask to sit at the table of women. I, I'm, I'm super shy. Um, the best advice I've gotten, and I, I'm sure everyone knows about this, is the Amy Cuddy. So I, I, I am bought her power stance um, that she does. She has a great TED talk on this, and I think she also has a book presence, um, talks about it. But I, I use open body language in power stances um, to help shift my body into a state. Um, and Tony Robbins is really big about where energy goes and ener- so where focus goes, energy flows. Mm-hmm. And so I focus on the outcome that I want and I visualize myself being successful. And then I, I imitate, I, I keep my body in action. And when I'm in a meeting, I use a temple pose with my hands and that's a power. That's a small power pose that you can use while you're sitting versus sitting and clasping your hands or using your arms across. That's a closed body position, which, which fosters a feeling of weakness. And so I try to, I try to do things like that to trick my body into doing it. And what I learned is that over time I become confident. Um, and it just, and I'm in that position because it's natural because I have the confidence in it. And so it's a learned thing. And I'm constantly in situations where I don't have confidence. Like, what am I doing? I don't belong here. I mean, I was on a panel a year ago at the Texas A&M tech summit and I had the CIO of Texas A&M University System on the stage and two other CIOs of Texas, like of their whole system. And I'm like, someone asked the question about imposter syndrome. And I was like, oh, I have it right now. I <laughs> clearly do not belong on the stage with these women. And yet women were relating to me. And, and mm-hmm. I think that the reason women relate yeah. is because I'm very open about when I'm having imposter syndrome, including owning it on a stage uh-huh. saying, I don't belong here. So do you think of yourself as a role model? I didn't at first. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. I was like, who am I? No one's going to care about me. And what I've discovered is that uh, women do look to me mm-hmm. for, for how did I do it, um, for hope. And so that, that's why I've distilled, you know, my equal pay program into a repeatable framework. That's why I've got my book coming out and my corporate program for zero to hero, how to build your value and really stand out. Um, I don't think there's anything unique about me other than the fact that I'm willing to openly talk about my failures and then also share the secrets about how I got change in my own life and then inspire other women to do the same for themselves. And I'm so glad you are. Uh, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Oh, oh, oh that, okay. So this is easy. I would tell myself to live on less, considerably less than you make and invest the difference. Mm. Um, I am huge about that. I mean, I was broke and I just paid off my, my, my last debt within the last four years. And that was a huge deal for me. And now I'm building, you know, my wealth and part of my, my position of strength, um, especially in negotiating, but also in, in bringing my best work product to the table comes from, I'm not, I'm not afraid of, of what happens if I get laid off. Um, because I have the financial right. nest egg to know that I'm okay. And that I can negotiate well, because I'm in a position of power where I don't have to say, yes, I can actually walk away. 
Um, and of course, you know, my dad growing up, he, he said, live on a third, save a third, a third goes to taxes. But I, I credit this with my, my boyfriend of 15 years. He was the consummate saver and invests and lives way below his means. And, and my 20 year old self, when I was making good money investment banking, I wish I had gone out with my annual bonus and invested that. Um, instead, because that would have given me um, the confidence mm-hmm. to to really stand stand in who I am um, in a lot of situations in my life where I really didn't feel I had an option and kind of just had to to withstand really difficult situations. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Five years. Oh, if you told me even two years ago, developers been around two and a half years. I didn't even have the podcast two and a half years ago or three years ago. Um, so five years seems so far out. Um, I mean, hopefully I am completely financially independent. That is something that I'm working on, on for myself. Um, I hope I have a seat at the global table. Um, one of my goals is to meet Melinda Gates. Um, she's, we have a lot in common, actually. She's, uh, from Dallas, like me. We both went to Duke. We're both computer science majors. We're both software engineers, and we're also both, uh, Kappa Alpha Thetas. So I'm determined to meet her, but I really... Uh, I'm hoping that I have an uh, international role, seat at the table, driving driving role change, and that you know, for me, my goal to be financially independent is that I no longer have to worry about holding down a day job, and then I can make um, make decisions and really influence change, the change that I want to see in the world from a position of abundance. And I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm on my way. Um, but what I hope for me is that money is now um, not something that I worry about, you know, paying the bills every year, that it's a tool for me that I can use to leverage to get change on a wide, wide range scale. And I, I hope every corporation has my zero to hero program in house and that my book is um, a must have resource for every woman. I have no doubt you will be hanging out with Melinda Gates sometime soon. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Last question. What comes to mind when you hear to be bolder? Well, what comes to mind is that it's already in you that like you, you just don't recognize it. And I think that it's like, it's, it's augmenting what you already have and discovering that you can go to the next level. And so I think that it's a powerful question because it assumes it already exists. Awesome. How can people get in touch with you? Learn more. So there are a number of ways. Number one, go to developer.com. Um, the website is constantly being updated, but number one, get on the newsletter, get on the newsletter because when I re- roll out my book, when um, I roll out uh, new pilot programs, that's the way you're going to find out about it. Um, I'll provide you the link for my beta program, oh, good. for the salary negotiation program. Um, and then also LinkedIn. Um, I accept all incoming connections. I post frequently on LinkedIn on resources uh, but if, if you want to hear about the book, get on the newsletter. If you want to, if you want to bring me into your company, I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Uh, it has just been a joy getting to know you. Um, you know, part of this podcast was bringing women who to my audience, but also it was literally because I want to meet women like you. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, well, thank you for doing that. I just love what you're doing for for women in tech. And it was just a a fun way to spend uh, my afternoon. So thank you so much, Mary. Thanks for listening to the episode today. It was really fun chatting with my guest. If you liked our show, please like it and share it with your friends. If you want to learn what we're up to, please go check out our website at tobebolder.com. 
That's the number two, little b, boulder.com. <laughs>